What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of Unleashed, where we peel back the truth behind being an entrepreneur and unleashing your true potential. On this episode, you get to meet myself, Andrew Droy, and Daniel Yanisito as the host of this podcast. We talk a little bit about the history of how we met, some things on how to deal with your fear, pursuing your passions, and the growth of technology. We hope you enjoy. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. if you want to make it to the highest level you have to have a lot of things that an entrepreneur has to have you have to be very disciplined right like you can't just go to training if you only have a training with a team especially in canada like you train like three four times a week you can't just train three four times a week and expect that you're going to be a pro yeah because there's guys that are training three four times a day you know literally so you have to be the guy that has that self-discipline to be able to you know put in a regimen that's going to get you to the next level you have to be able to set goals and you have to be able to hold yourself accountable to those goals. Just like you do in a business. You have to say, this year we want to make $100,000 in revenue. How are we going to get there? Here's the steps. Here's the mini goals along the way. And you have to hold yourself accountable to these goals. So there's a lot of similarities. What about, what about coaches telling you to your face, you're never going to play professional soccer again. And then you got to deal with that. Like how many times have you heard people tell you you're not good enough? Like that and... Before I even knew what an entrepreneur was, like the number of times that people told me in my face, you're never going to get a scholarship. You're never going to play D1. You're never going to play professional. You're not, like that in itself, like you're saying, is like you naturally, I think that's why it's one of the big reasons why athletes become entrepreneurs. Like, sure. You're already used to like somebody telling you you're shit to your face. For sure. It's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, right. I'm shit. Okay, it's cool. I'm going to okay with it. Yeah, the thing is that, you know, some people take it, you're not good enough, and they say, okay, I'm not good enough. They let it get into yeah. their head, and that's it. They quit, or you know, they, they go after something else, and they don't pursue what they were originally going after. But for me, I mean, I'm the type of personality, and I think you're the same way, but you, know, you can speak for yourself on that one, that when someone tells me I'm not good enough, it actually fires me up more and motivates me more to try and prove them why I am good enough and why I can not only meet the standard that they're setting, but exceed those expectations. Yeah, And I think that... If you want to be successful, you're going to have to, you know, be okay with people telling you you're not going to make it, you're not going to be good enough because it's not easy to be a successful entrepreneur, right? And it's trendy now though, right? It's real trendy to be an entrepreneur. It's real cool to have a on Instagram, you know, have all these beaches, nice cars, nice houses, when half the time they're rented cars, Airbnbs, one week vacations that they post one year later so that they can make it look like they're still on the There's go. There's a Drake song. Drake yeah, 100%. <laughs> he touches on all of this because it's reality. It's yeah. a fact, right? Like, It's like everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. It's the cool thing to do now. So they're just going to try and do it. They're going to try and make themselves look like they're an entrepreneur when they're really not. You know, and that's the key because you have to do a lot of work in the shadows to actually bring yourself to the light and actually be successful. But there's too much of a, you know, mindset of entitlement these days, especially, unfortunately, I know we're both part of the millennium group, but it's, it's with the younger generation that people want things to happen overnight. And oh, I don't think geez. it's specifically us, like our age group is different. We're, we're, we're right in between, right? Like you were talking about. We're earlier. like, we're like, we, we got like, I don't know, how do I want to explain it? Sega Genesis and like the Motorola Razor. Like we still had the riding bicycles and playing road hockey and right. like playing soccer. Like right. 
like in the summer at yeah. 12 years old, we still had that. Right. And then we also have now podcasts yeah. and Wi-Fi and filters and hashtags. So like we, we, we got both, right? So yeah, we're, we're an interesting generation because we've seen like the traditional, like you go out, you play outside kind of thing. And now we've seen how it's transitioned to like where kids don't even go outside because they're inside always yeah. playing video games and stuff like that, right? But the fact of the matter is that now there's professional video game like players. Like yeah. you can be a professional FIFA player. Yeah, right? exactly. So like, I mean, it, it's it's crazy transition. And I think that... So quickly. Right, so quickly. Like, oh, like almost like it just happened, like snapping your fingers. Yeah. But we've seen both of it. So we, we, we have the benefit of kind of knowing the traditional stuff and experiencing it, but also being a part of the technology growth. Like we've, we've seen it grow like computers, internet, like we've seen, you know, iPhones, we've seen all those things come out, like first generation iPhones. Like we were like part of those people that were like, yo, those, those are sweet. Like we were at that age where we had phones, first generation iPhone come out, everyone wants it, right. you know? So we're kind of in the middle of like everything, which I think gives us an advantage because we know the old, but we also know the new. And if you blend it together, you can connect with both audiences, right? Do you think, and do you think it's like, you think it's a bad thing that kids are playing at home, trying to be professional FIFA players online? Like, do you think it's bad? Do you think it's like, what do you think about that? I don't necessarily think that it's bad because there is an opportunity for it now, right? Like there is a chance that somebody could become a professional video game player, just like they could step outside, play basketball all day and try and become an NBA star. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I only think that the video game aspect and industry is growing. Like it's going to be a growing industry where there are going to be more professional players there's things going on now where people are paying to watch people game. Yeah. You know? And that's, a, that's such a great brother. Like, oh, it's crazy, right? Yeah. So I think that it's not necessarily a bad thing if you're doing it, you know, constructively. Like if you're just playing video games to kind of escape your reality of what you have going on yeah. because you're not happy with where you are in life. I think that's that's bad because you need to obviously make some moves to do things so you can live a happier life. Right, everyone needs some some type of escape, but if it becomes like that's what you're doing all the time, you're not experiencing anything else socially or anything like that. I think that's when it could become more of a negative aspect. But if you're doing, you know, playing video games, trying to become, you know, a professional video game player, just like you would try and become a professional soccer player, if you're putting in the steps and doing the right things to do that, shadows. I mean, I mean, yeah, it could be could be something that could make you money and if it makes you happy it could be a good path right i don't know there's there's a lot we're going to see to come in the future of how these things roll out i think like we're in no place to see good or bad because it's a completely new right like every generation has like something new you know like so my father looks at what i do and he was work from home like right. go on the job site Sorry, get a shovel and start, you know, what do you mean? It's, what do you mean? How do you, can you work from home, right? Yeah. Like, but that's like where he came from. So when, right. when he was growing up, uh, an immigrant from Italy, like, you know, he, all he knew was like labor, hard labor, because that's what it was. And then you get to like, maybe 
now my generation is like, yeah, now we have the internet, we have Wi-Fi, so I, you can work from anywhere, you don't need an office, you don't have to go to a job site. Right. And now you have like things that were like, for example, video games were just like, you would come home from school, finish your homework. If you were like me, you didn't really do your homework, but you would tell your parents, I'm doing my homework, or you'd be playing FIFA, right. or you'd be playing whatever. And now that's an industry. Like now it's like, I'm gonna go home and work, and you're actually working, you're playing video games. Like, so I don't think we're in a place. I think to say it's good or bad. When I say bad, because I'm just thinking about my childhood where I was riding my bike outside, I wasn't like playing video games. Right. So I think like, oh, that's so wrong. They're playing video games all the time. Like they're anti-social. Not really, they're talking to people on their headphones, right? right. Like, maybe face to face, that's different. But I mean, they're still talking to people. They're not really anti-social. It's just a complete kind of shift. And then the next generation after that is gonna shift. So we don't really have a, uh, the right to say it's good or bad, but that's what I think, I don't know. Yeah, I think the whole, you know, aspect of how we socialize is changing too. Like you yeah. said, like we can say if somebody who plays video games is antisocial, but they could be, you know, with their virtual team, talk to them and they could be learning, you know, I don't want to take it too far, but they could be learning teamwork and, and you know, some type of leadership skills working in, you know, a team in a Call of Duty setting. I don't know, you know, so yeah. there's there's things like that that are cra- crazy and evolving. But like you said, yeah, we don't really know where they're going to go. So we kind of have to wait and see but it's exciting times for sure it's nuts my nephew uh he's 13 and he's at my house literally like six hours ago and i'm in my office i'm doing some work and i hear him screaming like i hear him screaming like ah come on like and there's nobody at my house just me <laughs> him so I, I come out of the office i'm like dude like who the fuck are you talking i didn't say that. he's 13 yeah like who are you talking to he was talking to my team talking to all 16 guys on my team like what that's what I'm telling you, man. Like, he's, he's talking to 16 guys. So it's like, you're not anti-social. You're talking to, you're talking to more people than I am. Yeah. You know these guys are communicating virtually, man. It's crazy. But I guess, uh, when was the day you were like, I'm going to, I'm going to build an empire for myself. Like, let's start from like the moment, like not even like the day you did it, like the, 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 the thought that went through your nervous system were like, yeah, I'm going to do it. This is what I want to do. So for me, like traditionally growing up, it was, you know, you, you get good grades, you go to university, you get a degree, you get a job, right? And then you work that job and you marry your kids. Yeah, you so you got everything, right? Um, but so I did exactly that, right? Like, but my you know little tweak on it was I wanted to play soccer while I was getting this education, right? Because that was what I really loved and that was what I was trying to pursue while trying to satisfy the whole education thing. Because, you know, back when we were in school, it was still, you know, important. It's becoming definitely less um, of an importance to have a degree. You know, like people are making money without it. But still, even back when we were in college, it was in university, sorry. It was a thing that, you know, kind of jobs would look at that first. Like you would come to the top of the line in in an application process if you had a specific type of degree, right? So for me, I did that process, graduated. I ended up getting my my BA in psych. And because I had hurt my knee in the first year, as you know, at my old school, um, I had a red shirt. So I was medically redshirted. So I was able to play another year. What's a red shirt? So for anyone, yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know, a red shirt happens in two ways. You can either be redshirted 
through the year if the coach doesn't think you're ready to play it usually happens with freshmen yeah um so if you're a freshman you come in he doesn't the coach doesn't think you're ready to contribute because most university teams have about 30 players or so on the roster and only 18 will travel to games so you can do the math on that um so they can register you so that they can use you in another save, year saves a year of eligibility because exactly. you have four years of eligibility right? exactly but you can also get a medical register at any time in your career if you get injured and you don't play a certain percentage of yeah. the season, you can medically redshirt to save that year of eligibility. So you got a full redshirt or medical? I got a medical redshirt because I, I tore my meniscus and my MCL and my left knee, and I did it in preseason, luckily, so I didn't, pl- I didn't really play any percentage of the, yeah. the season, so I was able to medically redshirt, which at the time seemed like a nightmare because all I wanted to do was play. Right, yeah. But on the back half, yep. when I transferred and I was at St. Bonaventure, it allowed me to then use that extra year to do my master's. So I did my master's and played that extra year and I studied marketing. And that's kind of when I came home, you know, I had my degree, master's in marketing, looked for some jobs, you know, I had a lot of prospects and I started working for a telecom company in the marketing department. And it was when I was working for this company that I really decided, okay, like, I want to be, you know, kind of doing my own thing. And why? Because I'll tell you exactly. So it was just, it was just after I'd been working there for a year and it was just after Christmas. It was in January. I'll never forget. I'm sitting in the office and you know, what kind of office was it? It was like cubicles, you know, like steady cubicles, some kind of office, some offices in the corners and stuff for like the CEOs and higher up managers, but mostly just a ton of cubicles. Yeah. Um, And a few boardrooms. It was a pretty big company that like, on site in where we were working, they had maybe, you know, 150 people. And then they had an offsite team that, because they were telecom, that handled customer service of, you know, another, you know, 100 people offsite as well. So it was in January, just after the new year. We had just had our Christmas party, New Year's, all this stuff. Everyone was in a good mood. You come back to work and we worked for maybe one or two days. And then that week, I remember, you know, there was, there was a higher up person, some kind of executive that was walking around the room. I didn't deal with them specifically, but they came to my desk in my cubicle and just kind of like very lowly, like whispered, you got to go into the boardroom for a meeting in 10 minutes. Right. So I'm like, okay, hey, this is, this is weird. Like That's I've never weird. dealt with this person That's before the top. and I see them going to a bunch of other people. Right. So I'm like, okay, at this point, I'm just like, okay, let me see what happens. I don't really, I'm not in love with this job, but I'm also like, it's my first job. So I don't yeah, really want to lose it. Right. Go into this boardroom, there's like at least 30 other people in this boardroom, all crammed into this small boardroom. I'm by far the youngest person there. And CEO walks in and I've never, you know, that was the true definition I heard of when I thought of silence because it was just like completely silent. Everyone's like, you could see panic on people's face. People were people nervous. families, 100%. Lying on benefits. There was an individual that had just moved from BC and he'd been working here for like only three months or something. Moved in, bought a moved place. Moved in, bought a place, had a family. Tax rules, like. 100%. So you could see that, you know, the room, you could just hear a pin drop. Everyone was just quiet, just waiting to hear what was happening. CEO goes to the front of the room. And I'll never forget, like, he was just staring kind of at the ground, right? Yeah. Like, he, he didn't really, because he was a good guy. Like, he, he was all about the culture and stuff like that at the organization. So you could tell that, you know, it was bothering him what was about to happen. At this point, I, I basically knew what was going to happen. And he basically announced that the company was in financial trouble. 
And uh, as of right now, nobody no longer worked at this organization anymore. So and he thought it was gonna be one of those jobs where we're gonna have forever, you move up the ladder. Yeah, it was one of those things you move up the corporate ladder, fresh out of university. It wasn't too hard, it wasn't too easy, you were kind of just you nice. know there, yeah. you know, there wasn't too much pressure. But that moment I looked around the room and I saw people with families, I saw people that had been at this company for seven, eight, nine years, and now all of a sudden, just like that, they were gone. Like there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They would no longer work for the company, like as of as soon as he finished that sentence. It wasn't like, yeah, you know, the rest of the day it was like, go get your things. Like, you guys no longer work. Yeah, it's right? more two weeks. Yeah. So, from that moment on, I kind of just, I wanted to control my own destiny. You know, I wanted to, you know, I knew I was going to have to start something on the side because I didn't have a lot of money on me. So, I knew I wasn't going to be able to just dive right into something right away. Um, but that's when I started kind of figuring out that I wanted to build something on the side and eventually turn it into, you know, full time for me. And because I knew I would have full, full control over what I could do in, in my career. So that was the moment for me that I knew that I had to pursue something that was not only going to make me happy, but that was going to give me control, you control. control over where I was going to go for sure. Like, and that's the thing, right? Is that you want to control and then there's people who are like no nah, i want to i just want to buy i don't want to buy a lamborghini in like four years i want to like you know what i'm saying like having control of time and like wanting wanting to do something because you want to take a picture with in, in the club with six girls around you or six guys if you're a girl around you and balling out and throwing your cash everywhere like right that's that's the difference. And you're seeing a lot, of, I think you're seeing a lot of people kind of enter the entrepreneurship world because of what they see, but not because of something like control. And for me, it was the exact same thing, man. Like having control of your time is is huge, right? And for sure. You're 27, I'm 27. I'm not 27 yet, but no, sorry, I am 27. 28. This guy doesn't even know me, by the way. Oh my God, I'm 2028. What am I saying? I'm getting old. And uh, now it's like, I think, now is the time like that's the key thing is that if you're 40 i mean there's no real timeline i guess but i mean i'm sure. thinking about those people in that boardroom who are 40 years old you got three kids kids are also playing soccer going to swimming and ballet and mothers maybe stay at home like what happens right like you have no now you're gonna go now you're not looking to even at that point find something you like you need to just find something because you gotta put food on the table versus starting something at our age, or even younger, like there's high school kids now, which is amazing. Right. Starting businesses, starting something at a super young age to have control over your time, over your money, over the people around you. Like you control everything so that when you're 40, you know, yeah, there's going to be failure along the way. I want to touch on failure. Right? I, I love hearing about failure, but there's failures along the way. But then you get to, you know, 40 and like you found a successful business and like there's no one that's going to come and say, you're done for sure right and control that's the big thing right where in there did i mention money lamborghinis like you know the problem is that people get fascinated with that and you know i myself made that mistake so at this moment that i just told you about i realized i wanted to do some stuff on my own and start my own thing you know i i made the mistake of jumping into the wrong thing for me 
to try and build something quickly, get some money and run my show, right? So I went into a business with a few friends and we created like a promotional agency, like for companies that go to trade shows and we would be the company they would outsource to to bring, uh, you know, brand ambassadors to the show, talking right. about their products, all that kind of right. stuff, right? And, you know, the way we saw it, it wasn't my idea. It was a friend of mine who we ended up partnering with. It was, it was his idea. He had done some, you know, basic research on it. I had done some of my own due diligence. I saw there was an opportunity in the market, but the key was I wasn't really passionate about it. I didn't really want to pursue it. I was just, you knew the you opportunity. Know, yeah, I knew there was a bit of an opportunity. I was trying to make some money. Other people like you said, money. other people around me were making money. So I was thinking, okay, maybe I can you know, get a nicer car and get some money, run my own show. And so I went into the business for the wrong reasons, but it taught me a lot. And the business didn't last that long. We, we did get a deal pretty quickly with, with an organization, um, you know, and we successfully filled the deal and all that kind of stuff. But there was some internal issues with, you know, running the business and stuff. The, the partnership didn't work out as we planned. That's another thing. Friends don't always make the best, the best business partners, right? Sometimes they do. Sometimes for sure. They, they can be a great business partner, but other times it can lead to some problems because now you're like, okay, well, I don't like the way this guy does business, but I've known him for 20 years and he's my friend. Right. So you run into a difficult spot there. So I did make that mistake um, of jumping into the wrong thing for me um, because I thought I could, you know, control it. I thought I could, you know, get some money out of it. I didn't think I was going to be a millionaire, but I thought it could, you know, replace my, my regular nine to five. You, you basically thought it was just what you see. Like you thought it was just not get rich quick, but it's like, right. Just do whatever. Cause everyone else is making money on it. Maybe I want some, I'm catching some trend. Right. Boom, let me just go on it, hop on a boat, get that, boom, make that six figures and fucking 90 days or whatever. Like right. everyone says you can do and boom. Right. Yeah. So that was kind of where I learned that, but you know, it was a mistake and one that I'm not afraid to admit. And since then, I've learned a lot from that whole process of building that business, of failing at that business. And, you know, it's taught me a lot and helped me get to where I am, right? That whole thing of failure that you were talking about, it, it is something that I think that you need to experience maybe more than once to kind of help kick you into gear or help point you in the right direction. I think, I think failure is inevitable, to be honest. For sure. I personally think, like, when you're starting a business... I think like failure is inevitable. Like I think, I think failure is actually inevitable, and I also think it's a necessity. Well, if it's inevitable, then if it's, you know what I mean. Right, right, right. But I think it's a necessity. I think you need it. Like, and it's just a matter of the people who make it in the entrepreneurship journey. And again, this is this is coming from like mentors. This is coming from guys like you who've been in the entrepreneurship, you know, industry. Like, who are going through the journey. Like, I think. It's the people who actually succeed, uh, the people who succeed are the ones who know how to handle that failure sure. and say, fuck it, like, let me learn the lesson from it and move on. For and sure. then there's the people who experience failure, maybe never experienced failure before, yeah. going back to athletes, right? Like, right. people who maybe never played a sport or weren't competitive, or maybe they said it was whatever, they, they failed for that first time and they go, you know what? Whether it's because of their parents told them that, you know, it's hard or somebody told them it's hard or somebody told them there's a 2% chance or whatever that stat is, eight out of 10 startup businesses or startups fail. Right, right, right. They, that's all in the back of their mind. So they hit that first failure and fucking went back to 
you know, nine to five. Nothing's anything wrong nine to five, but I'm going back nine to five. I quit, right? They right. quit after the first failure. Right. Like I think I think failure is like the most important thing, man. Like it's a real test of like mental stability. Like what? It's more of like people are so caught up with like, oh my god, I failed. Like now I gotta face my parents. I gotta face my girlfriend. I gotta face my boyfriend. I gotta face my whoever that I failed. Like oh my god, but in reality, it's just hey, why did why did you fucking fail? Like learn a lesson. Sure. Take from it. Don't make any money now because you failed for maybe four months. Find a way to survive and then start up again. Yeah, that's what failure. I admit, that's what it is. The thing with failure is you have to turn it into a learning lesson, right? Like, I don't consider it truly failure. Like, yeah, you you know you failed at something, and there's some kind of aspect that you lost at, um, but. It's not true failure unless you completely quit and give up on on what you're kind of chasing, right? Because right. there's there's always another avenue, right? Like if you're in a certain industry, maybe you're not passionate about it like I was in, and then you get out, but you pursue something else around that, or you know, in another industry, but in you know, because your goal is to be an entrepreneur, you didn't quit. You just found another way to go. You found Absolutely. another path, yeah. right? So that's a key and something that you said triggered me because everyone is worried about oh everyone's gonna think i'm a failure friends family you know acquaintances people that i used to work with because i left this job and now i'm coming back to a job and they're gonna think i'm a failure to be fair people really don't care that much about you like you know they don't they have lives that they're living themselves and they're not going through their days thinking oh i can't wait till dan fails so that you know i can watch dan fail yeah they don't care they're trying to figure out their own problems so don't be so worried about the people around you failing uh, or thinking you know that nobody cares yeah because nobody cares nobody, gets shit. nobody cares they really don't care they have better things to worry yeah. about you know so they have their own lives going on so that if that's what's holding you back you gotta let go of that asap totally yeah man like failure is huge i think a big problem too is like like failure the way it's taught in school like the way we were taught it's like black and white like f is fail sure f is stupid f is can't get into college if you can't get into college you're stupid You can't if you can't graduate college, you're stupid. You can't graduate college, you can't get a good job. You can't get a good job, but you can't buy a nice car. You can't start a family. Like, right, right. It's so like thought of. It's, it's like a what's the word I'm looking for? It's just like cookie cutter lifestyle. You know that right. like people people go up and they think, okay, gotta get. I can't get enough. I can't get enough. I can't get enough. I got Okay, now I gotta get to the university. I gotta get to university. Okay, now I gotta get to grade university. I gotta. Okay, now I gotta get a good job. I gotta make sure my resume is good. I gotta get a job. Then I gotta start making. Then I get a promotion. I got like. For sure, dude relax like you know like we i i I personally the university i'll be honest i went to university because that's what i was that's the my that was my environment growing up it's like you gotta go to university you gotta get a job and then i realized like i don't really i went to university graduated but i didn't like you don't need to go to university you're gonna be a job you know like you know there's so like you said there's so many things you can do and i think that like people are so caught up in like the whole like like I just mentioned, that they don't really get a chance to actually enjoy life. Right. They don't get a chance to try and chase their dreams. You know, there's people who go through all that. Meanwhile, they wanted to be a professional ballet dancer. Maybe one person wanted to be a, uh, I don't know, like a professional fucking, maybe a carpenter. 
yeah. you know what I'm saying? But they don't get a chance to do that because they think, oh, they've got to do this to be successful and be right. I've got to follow the generations of routine and tradition. Like, it's kind of fucked. <laughs> it is because people are just trying to tick boxes. You know, they're yeah. trying to tick certain boxes that society says that you need to, to be successful or to be happy or to fit in or, or what have you, right? And when you're just trying to tick those boxes, that's when you can get lost because you're just trying to conform to certain standards that aren't for everyone. There's university is 100% for people, right? But there's other people that university is 100% not for. And there's nothing wrong with them not going to university and, you know, trying to pursue something else. And there's nothing wrong with the individual that wants to go to university and then wants to work for Google or, or Apple or something like that. There's nothing wrong with either of the journeys. It's the fact that a lot of people get confused and they try and just tick the boxes that society says, this is what you have to do. And they get down this path and the path gets so crowded, they get overwhelmed and they're not sure what to do with their lives. Right. So there's there's a bit of a misconception about kind of what you have to do and what you have to pursue, because really, at the end of the day, the goal is not money. The goal is is not anything but happiness. Right. Like you have to be happy if you make. 50k a year but you're happy all the power to you you're living life man right there's people like that make millions and they're not happy i so. think you know right like you hear from so many people like successful entrepreneurs ceos like you hear from all the time from these guys and it's that like and it's so true you just you just gotta remind yourself every morning of it like i try to remind sure. every morning that like we have no control over what our life ends, you know what I'm saying? Like, I no, like I can walk out of this building like get smashed by a car. Yeah, I like I have no control over that. So, like, if you remind yourself of things that of that, like, you don't know when your journey ends. If you don't know when your journey ends, your journey being as time on earth, like, why not just enjoy the whole time you have? For sure, right? And like that's what I that's what I finally clicked into me when I was working at the bank that's at the, this business uh, at this big bank here in, in Toronto. Right, I, I wasn't happy. I, I just, I was like, you know, I watched a lot of videos of like guys like Gary Vee, Ben Cardone, like all these, you know, um, these these successful CEOs and, and whatnot. And you know, one of the, it's a, a common theme. All these guys say you gotta enjoy the journey, and I wasn't enjoying the journey, so I was like, you know what, everyone's gonna think I'm crazy. I don't really don't give a shit. No, they don't give a shit. People who care the most are maybe your parents, but your parents in the day they love you. They're gonna be cool with whatever. Yeah. My parents are cool as hell, man. Like they don't even know what I do. To be honest, they don't understand it because they grew up in labor, you know, sure. time. But like, I just realized, like, this is my journey, man. Like, I'm not happy at all. And if I'm waking up every morning upset, you're you're losing. Like, For you're sure. losing. Like, if you're waking up and you're and you're happy and you're making forty k a year and you're just making everything, making your bills, just getting them paid on time, right? You're just making your mortgage payment, but like you're super happy at work. You're you got a lot of good relationships. Like that's that's you're winning. You're fucking golden, man. Like hundred percent, hundred percent. You can't go to university. You don't go like you can't buy that university. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like, I what do you think about like university and like college and like, like what are your thoughts on it? Like we've been through it. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that university, like I said, is good for some people, not good for other people, right? Like I think that. Certain people that want to go, you know, and work for certain corporations, university can be good, you know. If you want to be a lawyer, 
you gotta go to university. Like there's just things you need to learn. Yeah, you have to go to school for those things. They're just things you need to learn. If you want to be into business, I don't think it's you know, it's not mandatory, I wouldn't say. You could still go. There's a lot you can learn from university, you know. Um, and certain people learn better in different ways. Some people learn more from, you know, having lectures from professors and, and reading books, you know. Um, so learn by doing, just right. by doing, like go and do, right? So I think it really depends on the person and their goals. But certain things like lawyers, dentists, doctors, like you got to go to school, you got to learn yeah. how to do things because you got people's lives and health and, and all that in your hands when, when you're doing those occupations. So I think it really, at the end of the day, depends on what your goals are, but it can be useful for sure, definitely. Um, and for some, it, it might not be. But how do you how do you know that? Well, you graduate high school seventeen, eighteen. Yes. That's, yeah. That's, how do you know if, what it is you want to do? I had I had no idea. At eighteen, I was like, I'm going to be a professional soccer player. Still. Well, I, I think to to that point, you at seventeen, eighteen, you have some idea of what you like to do, right? You you love to play soccer. You want to make that into a career. That's viable. You can try that. That's a career path. I think that you need to understand the things that that you like, the things that you enjoy doing. You know, you're young for sure. You might not know for sure if you want to be, you know, in finance or you want to be an accountant. Maybe you do, though. Maybe you're really good at math. You love crunching numbers and you want to do stuff like that where you run revenue numbers through businesses and, and help them with their taxes and stuff. Some people love that. I, I think it's tough maybe at 17, 18, but I think that you should at least know certain things that, that you like and that you enjoy doing. Like for yeah. you, with soccer, I also was in the same boat with soccer and that was something that I could see myself pursuing. So I think you have to have some type of an outlook of what you like and what that can transition into. And then I think you just have to try things. Like if you're 17, 18 and you're interested in five different things, I'd recommend trying all five. Trying all five, seeing what you like the best, seeing what you're the best at, having the self-awareness to know, okay, these four things I'm good at, but this fifth thing I'm better than 90% of people in this country at. I'm going to pursue that. And then you focus on that and you put the strategy in place to make sure you're successful with that. That's kind of how I see that playing out at at a young age. And that's kind of what I would advise anyone who is in the boat and 17, 18, trying to figure out what to do. I wish I knew that. Yeah, I mean, you learn as you grow, right? Like, looking back, that's kind of how I see it now. But when I was 17, 18, like you, I wasn't really thinking in this mindset. I was just thinking about soccer at that time, really. So that, for me, was what I wanted to pursue. So do you think... So I I read this in a book once. I forget the name of the book, actually. But do you think, like, whether it doesn't matter what you're doing... You're in business, okay? You're in business. Yeah. A lot of people tell you, like, yeah, you should be working on your weaknesses. You should be working on your weaknesses. Or you should be improving on your sales script. You should be improving on your your app content or whatever. Do you think, like, you should be, you should be working on your weaknesses? Or do you think you should just be working on your strengths? Because when you're working on your weaknesses, like, you're not spending time on your strengths. Right. I think in in life and in business especially you should double down on your strengths and outsource your weaknesses yeah so okay like, so what if you don't have the income speaking of it from, from us startups business owners let's just say you don't have the income 
to work to delegate your weaknesses. So if your strengths are able to bring you an additional revenue in the company, then I would focus on your strengths still, try and build the business off your strengths, but still be open to learning and improving your weaknesses. But I wouldn't focus solely on your weaknesses because nobody will ever be perfect. Everyone's always going to have weaknesses. And as you grow, you're definitely going to have to outsource those weaknesses. And even smaller smaller income businesses can, you know, outsource some aspects like in terms of freelance, right? So if you're not good at, you know, like my business now um, that I work in, which by the way, for everyone listening, uh, I have a clothing line called Threads of Dreams. It's a streetwear apparel line and it's uh, motivational based. All, all designs are hand drawn and it really focuses on, you know, giving someone a little bit of different aspects when they're wearing their apparel and also with the whole, you know, branding and messaging to kind of, like we're talking about in this podcast, push yourself to, to as far as you can go, pursue your passions and, and to not give up on your dreams. But in that, you know, side note there, I wanted to create more video content, right. but I myself wasn't, you know, a professional with video. So I outsourced that right. and, and we're not a huge, huge business or a huge organization, but I was able to find, you know, a talented individual that, you know, believed in our mission, shout out to Oscar and, you know, he jumped on board and he's been helping us and it's been tremendous. So I think that small businesses can still outsource some aspects, but they should still focus on their strengths, build the business based on their strengths um, and really kind of generate that revenue so that they can build a team around them that then supports those weaknesses right. moving forward. All right. So kind of just to wrap things up, I actually never even told, I might as well say Yeah, that you might as well. Yeah. I just threw mine in there, but yeah, you better put yours that in there was too. <laughs> So what I do is I actually help mortgage brokers and financial advisors get new clients using digital marketing. Um, so uh, I also, what I also do, so that's business number one, it's called the Anacito Enterprises, my last name. The reason why I made the company my last name is because my last name is who I am. So if I'm doing a shit job, right, it's my last name, right? And I did that on purpose when I started the business. I said, you know what? I don't know what the business is yet, but the name is Yanisito Enterprises because every time I do work, I'm putting in a hundred percent effort no matter what because it's my last name. Like and my last name is going to be, I want my last name to be the best rep. I like that. People think about Yanisito and then, yeah, he does good shit. Does a lot of good work. Number two is I actually uh, train young soccer players. A business called 1v1 Football uh, where we train young soccer players in person as well as online. So um, I'm not trying to promote or any of that. I'm just trying to say what I do. Um, you know, when you're in the soccer industry for what, 20 years, like guys, naturally you still have, uh, you want to be in part, part of the game. Uh, sure. So that's kind of how I give back to my community. Um, but just kind of wrapping up, I mean, last, uh, I'm going to ask you one last question. If you had to go back to yourself at 18 years old and tell yourself one thing right now, what would you tell yourself? If I had to go back at 18, that's the... Uh, I'm taking what you know now. So far, like right. 27, I'm not going to lie. We're young. I'm enjoying yeah. it. You're enjoying it. It's fucking feels pretty good to be young. But, uh, you know, it's been nine years. I've learned 
more in the last three years of my entrepreneurship journey than I have in my whole life. Right. So I've got a lot of things to say to my 18 year old self. What's the one thing, one, one thing you would say to yourself? I would tell myself to focus on my self-awareness so that I can know what I'm good at and know what I'm not good at because I'm not going to be good at everything. That's just a fact. And having the self-awareness to know what I'm good at and not good at allows you to avoid making excuses for why something didn't work out. And when you make excuses, you waste time because you're sitting there saying, oh, this didn't work because of this, this, this. But the core reason it didn't work was maybe because you weren't good enough. Why weren't you good enough? Can you improve? Yes, no. If you can't, can you bring someone on the team that can help you improve in that or can help the business improve in that? So that would be what I would tell myself to focus on what I'm good at and have the self-awareness to know when I need help at something or to know when something isn't for me. Right. Nice. What about you? If I had to go back and, and tell myself one Yeah, thing. you got to answer your, your own question, buddy. Yeah. You can't get out of it, eh? Uh, you know what? There's a few things. I think the, the only thing I would tell myself is to, is to essentially just it sounds a little bit cliche, um, but I never understood it. Like now I understand what I, what it means to just, to just follow your dreams. And like, yeah. it sounds kind of cliche, but you know, when there's so many distractions in the world and, and influences, especially at, from like 16 to like yeah. 20, there's so many influences, like your parents and like your spouse and like friends and professors and like yeah. everyone telling you at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's what you mentioned earlier. Like nobody actually gives a shit about Sure. You know what I'm saying? So like if you're only on this planet for a limited time and nobody actually gives a shit about you, like you gotta do you. Like you have to do you. Plain right. and simple. And if I had to go back and do like go to my 18 year old self, I would do me. Plain and simple. I would do it whatever it is. Like if I could go back, I don't have no regrets whatsoever. But like do you. Like yeah. was, I have people telling me, yeah, go to this school, go D1, go D2. Like you know, uh, play this position or you've got to go to Europe at 18 because if you don't make it at 18, you're not going to make it. Like all these things, like when really all I have to do is go with a soccer ball to a pitch and just fucking train and get better and better and better do me, do me, do me because that's all I wanted to do. And now all I want to do is help as many of my clients, mortgage brokers, financial advisors, grow their business. And that's all I want to do. So that's all I'm going to focus on. I'm just doing me. Basically, I'm not care about, I don't care. Well, what comes with failures are going to come. I know they're going to come. I'm going to learn from those failures. I'm going to keep going. People are going to tell me you're fucking stupid. It's going to bounce bang, right off. Like, you know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I think it sounds kind of cliche, but you just got to do you, man. You've got to do you. Time is very limited. Time is precious. I agree. You know what I'm saying? For sure. So that's pretty, that's a, that's a wrap, bro. That's a wrap. Episode one, Unleashed, Andrew Dorea. Daniel Yanisito, we'll see you guys on episode two. We got a nice, uh, cool guest.